Joining us on the phone, Tara Brousseau-Snyder, Executive Director of the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. Good afternoon, Tara. How are you? Hi, Hal. I'm fine. How are you? Great. Excellent. I'm glad you can uh, join us for a few minutes here today. Usually you, uh, when I say you, I mean somebody from Mood Disorders joins us on on the show first Tuesday of every month, and it is the first Tuesday of July. Um, A while ago, we heard about the Virgo report. Maybe remind people what this is about, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. The uh, Virgo report was a report um, that was based through extensive consultation throughout Manitoba. And what it did was it put forward the uh, mental health and addiction strategic plan and the recommendations to uh, the Minister Calvin Gertson, who's Minister for Health, Seniors and Active Living. And it calls for significant changes required in order to be effective in Manitoba for mental health and addictions. Yeah, a, a lot of changes, as you mentioned, and uh, changes that have been recommended by people uh, in this community, in mental health and in addictions. Are you pretty happy with the recommendations in it? I really am. It, ca- it, does, it is going to make our landscape quite different. But, you know, when we see families that come to mood disorders, they aren't able to access help. They're frustrated. Uh, when we have people with lived experience come and they're um, not able to find the support that they need in the community, we really do recognize that we have to change what we're doing. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that, and I think most people would agree with you. I guess my concern when I see these reports, we see many reports like this, and often the recommendations are there. Some get implemented, some don't. Um, How do you feel about that? You like the report, you like the recommendations, but now this stuff, it has to be put in place. Well, it does, because, I mean, for 20 years we've had inadequate funding. We've got long wait lines. We've got um, people who can't uh, access and and go out for intake. We have limited hours of service. We've got a lack of knowledge around our Personal Health Information Act, inadequate discharge from emergency rooms, and then addictions and mental health services, which are completely separated. So it's not working. And if... We have the opportunity, we have a blueprint to make it a better Manitoba community. And I I am very hopeful because there is tremendous consultation and I believe that people have really felt that they've been heard and understood. And this is a great opportunity for change. As one of the participants in this uh, Virgo report, have you been told a timeline? When will we start seeing some of these changes? I have, and I'm excited. So they're gathering everything in over the summer, and I have been told that early fall we're going to start seeing some of the implementations. And 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 give us very good. And give us one, give us one or two of uh, the changes you're most looking forward to. Well, I think the ones that directly um, apply to Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. First of all, one of them will be to be able to have peer support in the emergency rooms. And they're calling for that at the Winnipeg Crisis Response Centre. They've actually made that a significant priority in the Virgo report. So I'm very hopeful that we'll start seeing that. And let's just talk Um, about that one for a second, and then I'll let you go on to one or two others. But that one, everybody that I talk to about, uh, about this says, 
We need when somebody comes in and they're saying, I need help, there needs to be somebody there that can deal with them and help them. There does. And it just personalizes it. It makes it a less frightening experience. The other very important thing is that when people are discharged, we've seen that they've been sent out into the night. We've seen that they haven't been sent out with any discharge plan. Having peer support there will actually enable somebody to be able to be a part of the system. There will be follow-up after. Mm. There will be connection right to the community. It's just it's going to be a wonderful thing for people. Yeah. Go ahead. One or two others. I interrupted you. Well, one of the other things is that uh, throughout the report, it's calling for improved coordination of services. And that's right down to our own peer support agencies. That would be um, ourselves at mood disorders, schizophrenia, anxiety, and OCD. And they're at, we're going to see better efficiency. So they're even saying that we have to better coordinate. And I think that's one of the remarkable things. But then it goes all the way to mental health and addictions. And we're going to see changes with Selkirk Mental Health, with the Addictions Foundation of Manitoba, with the Manitoba Adolescent Treatment Center, and with parts of HSC and St. Boniface. So all the way through from the grassroots of our organizations right to the very um, large agencies and organizations, we're going to see improved coordination. Mm -hmm. And that's so, so important. Yeah. Uh, This Virgo report is about mental health, but it's also about addictions. And, you know, we're a few months away now from cannabis being legal in Canada. And I know um, you had some concerns as the executive director of the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba about uh, the legalization of pot and the age and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, maybe weigh in on on some of this here in the province of Manitoba. One that a lot of people are upset about is that you can't grow your own. How do you feel about that? Well, I think it does have to be regulated, especially for uh, people under the age of 25, because our brains haven't don't stop forming until the age of 25, and cannabis has been shown to have an impact on brain development. It does lead to psychosis in certain individuals. And I think it's very concerning. So I I am in favor that we still, just like we regulate alcohol, we need to regulate any type of drug. Yeah. Um, another minute or so here, Tara. Anything else you wanted to mention before I let you go? Well, just that, you know, one of the things that Virgo's really highlighted is that 80% of people with mental health problems also deal with addictions. Mm. And, and this is the first time that we're going to see our health system transformed to be able to deal with mental health and addictions. The report's also calling for increased in fund, an increase in funding for both. And that's going to really um, be able to facilitate um, better integration. And, and it's very much needed in Manitoba. So it actually will become 8% of our total budget is what they're calling for. Excellent. Tara, thanks a lot for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Al. All right, Tara Brousseau-Snyder, Executive Director of the Mood Disorders Association of Manitoba. We're talking about the Virgo Report, which came out a while ago, but uh, this was sort of an opportunity for Tara to talk a bit about it. We try and have the Mood Disorders people on with us on the first Tuesday of every month, and uh, here we are. It's, I can't believe it's July already. July 3rd. And as I mentioned to Tara, just, uh, you know, a little over three months away from legalized marijuana. 
in the country, in Canada, and, of course, here in Manitoba as well. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Our next guest is Ray Eskrit. Ray is the winner of this year's Not Afraid to Get My Hands Dirty Award. First of all, Ray, congratulations. Thank you. Very happy to hear that uh, your work in the community as an activist is uh, is paying off with some recognition. I know that's not why you do it, but it's nice to be recognized. I had no idea that I would... That they even gave awards out for this. I thought I was just annoying people, but apparently <laughs> somebody was less than annoyed. Yeah. So that's good. Well, here's the cool thing. I, I got on the phone last week to set this up, and I, I phoned, uh, I think it was West. Did I phone West Broadway? Is that yeah. where I? And here you answer the phone. I'm trying to find you, and I know you were doing some work there. Yeah. So what do you do at West Broadway? I'm their communications and development officer. So Excellent. I do all of their external communications, and I do a lot of fundraising for them, I do all of the in-house fundraising, yep. and then I also work with One Just City, who is our um, organizer for larger fundraising projects. Yeah, and this award that you're getting, uh, the I love the name of it, Not Afraid to Get My Hands Dirty Award, is uh, being handed out tomorrow night at the Viscount Gort, 7.30. Tickets are still available, $45. Um, and uh, it's at the Celebrating Women Gala. Yeah. And uh, you're getting this award for what? This is cool. Um, well, I guess that depends on who you ask, but there are two main projects that I was kind of nominated for, and one was the One Just City Plarn Project, which yes. is where we took plastic shopping bags and crocheted them into sleeping mats for some of my folks. And then the other half of this is I do a lot of burlesque and body positivity, theater, dance, and comedy stuff in Winnipeg and throughout the province. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in a second because it's called Chub Rub, right? It is called I Chub lo- Rub. I love this. It's called Chub Rub. So we'll get to that in a second. But explain PLARN. What does PLARN stand for? P-L-A-R-N. Plastic Yarn. Gotcha. We just smooshed it together. Yeah. And what a great idea, right? You take one of these annoying plastic grocery bags yeah. that we're, you know, we we Everyone shouldn't... has about 60 to 100 of them under their sink. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you're saying, you know, these people need mats to sleep on. And mats are really expensive. Yes. And the one thing we don't have is money. So, but we've got a lot of talent and we've got a lot of people with really good crafting skills. So I thought, I can't craft, but I can use scissors. So I started making Plarn and um, my sister is a really good uh, fabric artist. So she kind of led me down this path of, you know, using unusual things to make mats and pillows and all these kind of stuff. And it just kind of snowballed on us until we had the whole province working on it. And we've probably made... Oh, gosh, I'll, I'll probably close to 75 mats in the last year. And it takes about 500 to 700 bags to make a mat. So wow. that's thousands of bags that aren't in the landfills, that aren't in turtle tummies, um, that are being used to help people get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. And how long does it take you to make one of those mats with all those bags? That depends on the skill of the crafter. Um for if you get the Plarn pre-made, I will give you Plarn. I have a stockpile of Plarn. So if you're interested, you contact me at West Broadway Community Ministry. All right. And I will set you up. And um, some of the women who have been doing it, they say it takes about between 8 and 16 hours, depending on how fast they go. So that's a lot of effort. Eh? Yeah, it's a lot of effort. Yeah. But as you said, now you're not buying a mat. Uh, yeah. what, what are those mats worth when you buy them? Um, we normally pay 
75 to 100 dollars per sleeping mat wow. and then by the time they're used because you have to wipe them down with antiseptic solutions every time they're used um they crack and they break and the other thing is is um my folks can't take them with them mm. they can't leave the shelter with these mats because they're a hundred dollars and we yeah. got to use them tomorrow right so these mats are portable they can take them with them and mm-hmm. that's their mat to keep right so that you'll see them outside sitting on them when you're sitting on concrete all day that can really ache um, I don't know if you've had to sit on concrete or on a gym floor or anything yeah. like that for any not, length of not time. Not for many years, but yes, I think I can <laughs> remember. remember. Those yes, days? I think I can remember. Yeah, yeah, and your back and your legs would just hurt. So they'll fold them up and use them as sitting mats. Huh. Um, they'll sleep on them. We had some people who um, were sleeping on the ground, but were using the mats to keep their animals on. Their pets would sleep on the mats, and the right. person would sleep next to them on the ground. Yeah. So they're they're well loved and the nice thing about them is they shake clean because they're so open yeah. weave there's yeah, yeah. lots of airflow through them um, you can spray them with a hose and just shake them dry um, most bags are coated with an antibacterial thing because they're food safe yeah um, so they don't grow fungus they don't attract lice or bed bugs or anything like that um, and then if they get um, kind of messed up, we can fix them up again. It's yeah. really easy to fix them. So. What a smart idea. Good for you. You deserve the recognition. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, but there's lots of fun but, fun activities out there for creative activism. Yeah. Um, I think I just got lucky because I knew the right people at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> you just said creative activism. Yeah. So tell me about that. Um, what does that mean? Well, because the award is for a woman who, or a woman or girl who has made an effort in creative activism or mm. creative advocacy. So you came up with a cool idea yeah. and very creative. You did and, something yeah. unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because a lot of activism isn't very creative. A lot of activism, a lot of my activism is sitting in a basement under fluorescent lights with a phone tree, yeah. calling politicians, calling policymakers, making meetings doing a lot of walking, mm-hmm. all of my shoes have holes in them. Yeah. It's not very glamorous. So when you do something unusual that really gets attention, um, that's something really special. And this is, like, we had international attention on this project. Yeah. We had people from Thompson, Manitoba involved. We had people uh, from Brandon calling us. We had uh, rural women and urban women working together on this project. Um, and we had schools uh, one just city had schools involved, mm-hmm. so we had kids making porn to give to seniors who couldn't leave their homes but really wanted to contribute. So it was multi-generational. It was all over the place. And that's something that is really, really unusual and special when mm-hmm. you when something is that successful. Yeah. And it's making a difference, right? I hope so. Yeah. It's it sounds not, like it is. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody's turned them down. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's uh, for somebody that finds themselves uh, homeless or on the street. I mean, th- this stuff is a big deal for them. It is, especially because right now Winnipeg has about 600 shelter beds, um, but we have a population of about 1,600 to 3,000 homeless people. Yeah, so we so don't even have they, half. Right. So what are they sleeping on, right? Yeah. Right now, the concrete. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or grass, if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And the police don't move you along. Mm. Um, so having a better sleep... Um, like, you know how important yeah. your sleep is. Right. And if you're cold and wet and dealing with health issues and you don't know how you're going to feed yourself, mm-hmm. the last thing you need is no sleep. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned that if somebody wants to get a hold of you, you've got Plarn, you've got the, I've got you know, it. you've got the supplies. So is that the is that what you're doing with this now? Is you're trying to hook uh, materials up to people that want to put it together? Yeah, that's basically what I'm doing now. Is I'm I've got teams of people working on Plarn, um, and I've got a warehouse full of Plarn and plastic bags and. Um, so if you've got crochet skills or knitting skills and you want to try it, I will hook you up. I will give you everything you need yeah. to make a mat. Good for you. Well, I'm, I'm excited that you're getting this award, and I think it's very deserved. So that's happening tomorrow night, uh, the Celebrating Women Gala at the Viscount Gort. And uh, Ray Eskrit is, is going to get the uh, award tomorrow night, the Not Afraid to Get My Hands Dirty Award, uh, probably the best name for an award ever as far as I'm concerned. Now, tell me about Chub Rub. What is Chub Rub? Chub Rub is my baby. I love her. Um, it's a troupe that I started, gosh, seven years ago. Um, and it was a group of me and several other fat ladies who are all theater people. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. We, me and one other girl were theater people and Mm -hmm. stand up comics at the time. And we felt that we were seeing a lot of hatred and stigma against fat people. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. We're great. Yeah. So we right. said, what if we got naked and made people look at us and and said, you know, there's nothing wrong with the way our bodies work. Yeah. Um, and that's what we did. And we ended up with four of us who have been together for the last seven years. And we go to the International Burlesque Festival in Winnipeg. We've done fringe festivals. We've done uh, road trips to other cities to perform. Um, and we and, do. And you really get naked or you're scantily clad? Scantily clad. Yes, right. Yeah. yeah. There are certain laws that prevent sure. true nudity. Yeah. And, and you said something. Listen, I've always been a big guy right? all, all my life, right? And I've always called myself fat. Right. It's a descriptor you, you, word. You just said fat, but yeah. some people would not be happy about that term being used. Some people would not be happy. And you have to be comfortable with how you describe yourself. Yeah. But to me, fat isn't negative uh mm-hmm. it's a descriptor okay. so like you pick up a cat and they're super fat and you go what a fat cat it's so <laughs> fluffy i love it it's yes. not bad it right. doesn't mean it's a bad yeah. cat it yeah. just means it's a fat but if you cat. say fat, fat everybody knows what you're talking about right right <laughs> um and it's kind of like short or tall yeah. or blue eyes or br- like that doesn't make you good or bad it's just yeah. describing what a person looks like and yeah. it's the connotation that fat is bad that makes us not want to say that word mm-hmm. so i've reclaimed that word i'm like no i am fat i have yeah. a fat body right I like my body. It does what it's supposed to do. It moves me around. I can do anything anybody else has ever done. I do aerial yoga at the circus clubs. I do dance classes. um, I'm as healthy as anybody else. Mm -hmm. And even if I wasn't, it shouldn't matter. Um, You're allowed to have health care. You're allowed to be a person. You're allowed to be seen. Um, and for a lot of years, I was told that none of those things were true, that I didn't deserve health care. I didn't deserve respect. Others told you that. Others, right. others told me that. Yeah. Um, and you kind of internalize that. And it wasn't until my mid-20s that I said, that's not true at all. Mm. It shouldn't matter. Um, I can be as lazy as I want and still be a person who matters, who deserves health care. I can be as active as I want, and I'm still a person worth respecting and worth health care. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea that like we're normalizing obesity or we're glamorizing it, it's not true. We're just saying we exist and that's all right. And you have to accept the fact that yeah. we exist. So what's the reaction been to, uh, to Chubrub? 
it's been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. Um, because the burlesque community is about, the audience is about 80% women at the shows, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Cool. Um, because women are really tired of being sold the beauty myth that they have to look a certain way. Yeah. I've had women come up to me and said, I never thought someone would clap for somebody who looked like me. Mm. And That's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. I'm like, no, people will cheer for you. Yeah. You you just have to find the thing that you love to do and mm. express that. Yeah, Ray, you are cool. Thanks. I really I really <laughs> like you. It's a it's a pleasure to meet you, and I just love the story about Plarn and <laughs> and uh, and Chub Rub, and it's just uh, well, I, when, when you're I always say like you, when you're poor, you have to be creative. If you don't have money, you'll figure it out yes. because. If, if I had money, I'd do things a lot differently. Yeah. Well, enjoy tomorrow night. I will. Thank you yeah. for having me on. And thank you for coming in. And I, I really appreciate it. And best of luck. And I can tell you've got a million other great ideas rolling oh, yes. around in that head of yours. So, <laughs> so many. Sleep yeah. is a thing of the past. Yeah. Stay in touch, okay? <laughs> I will. Thank Please. you very much. Yeah. All right. There she goes. Ray Escrit. Ray is getting the Not Afraid to Get My Hands Dirty Award tomorrow night at the Celebrating Women Gala at the Viscount Corp. All right, we have, in the province of Manitoba, a new UNESCO World Heritage Site. Ron Teason is the executive director of the Manitoba chapter for the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society, and he joins us on the phone. Ron, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Good afternoon. Thank you. Yeah, so this is a stretch of boreal forest along the Manitoba-Ontario boundary. It is now a World Heritage Site. Explain what that, there's about 29,000 square kilometers. So this is huge. This is half the size of Nova Scotia. What does this mean? Well, World World Heritage Site designation, rather, uh, puts us on the world map in terms of um, environmental conservation. And it also puts us on the world map in terms of a place to visit. Um, so this should bring tourists from around the world with this kind of a claim to, uh, to embrace the culture and the uh, spectacular environment in the region, which I think will be a, a boon not only to local economies in the future, but also to Manitoba's overall economy. Why did this take so long? This has been going on for, I don't know, 13, 14, and most people will know this because the former Selinger government, the NDP, I don't want to get into politics here, but I'll just explain why most people would know about this because this was one of the reasons that government wanted to build bipole on the other side, not on that side, because the hope was this Boreal Forest will become a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and now it is. And you were telling me this morning when we were chatting about setting up this interview that this is about eco-tourism, but it's also about cultural tourism. Talk about that for a minute. Well, indeed. Certainly this, uh, this area is the largest uh, area of uh, boreal forest in a World Heritage Site in the world. And um, it, uh, it's, it's an intact area, meaning that it's still functioning according to the laws of nature. Uh, human developments or human activities haven't changed the, um, the landscape dramatically, as we've seen in so many places in the world. Right. So it's, it's a great opportunity for all kinds of ecotourism, fishing, hiking, bird watching, etc. And also in terms of cultural tourism, there are um, indigenous cultures there that are still protected or practicing rather there are many tra- traditional activities hmm. and and also cultural practices that uh, they can share with the world yeah which is really cool and like you said areas like that are becoming fewer and fewer around the world aren't they 
Well, they certainly are. We've seen, uh, you look at Europe, for example, and um, very, very little of their natural environment is still left. They didn't plan it that way. It just happened piece by piece. And uh, the next thing you know, most of it was gone. Here in Canada, we have the luxury to learn from what's happened over there and many other places in the world to create a balance between sustainable developments and environmental conservation. Manitoba is a big country. We have room for it all. And maybe tell us what boreal forest means. What is what is boreal forest? Sure. Well, most of us have probably been to the boreal and maybe didn't know it was called that. So, for example, if you go to Whiteshell Provincial Park, that's the boreal. Mm. Um, the, the dominant tree species are spruce, pine, poplar, birch, and these forests are generally uh, interspersed with wetlands, lakes, and rivers. Some of the iconic wildlife are uh, moose, uh, caribou, fox, eagles, owls, variety of songbirds and ducks. Hmm. And uh, so, I mean, I guess this will attract people really from all over the world right now. I mean, this, you know, now that it's been deemed a, a world heritage site, I mean, that, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Uh, Ecotourism and cultural tourism are two of the fastest growing industries on the planet. Um, And yes, as as other places in the world become more developed, this area becomes increasingly rare and increasingly valuable in terms of bringing in tourists and bringing in their dollars for our economy. Do we have any idea what kind of a dollar figure it might generate now as a tourist location? Well, it's difficult to say because we're in early days in terms of um, looking at tourism uh, developments for the region. Uh, Certainly the uh, community is involved in the um, east side of Lake Winnipeg World Heritage Site, Pamachuanakee it's pronounced, um, have all stated an interest in uh, developing the tourism opportunity. So now that it has become a World Heritage Site, it will have the cachet to to, uh, inspire investors and partners to to begin working with them to uh, to embrace the opportunity in the region. Hey, Ron, as the executive director of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society here in the province of Manitoba, talk about some other great spots like this in Manitoba that attract people from all over the world. Well, we have a wonderful color-changing lake called Little, Little Limestone Lake in, uh, in the inner lake in Manitoba. It's just yes. the northwest tip of Lake Winnipeg, close to it anyway. Um, and it's about four and a half hours north of Winnipeg if you're t- taking a car up there. And um, it is the world's biggest and best example of a marl or color-changing lake on the planet. So essentially the way it works is the, the lake has a limestone bed, and it has a constituent in it called marl, which is kind of a chalky white substance. And as the water heats up during the day, the marl is released from the lake bed, mixes in with the water of the lake, and turns it to a beautiful Caribbean blue color. So this is something that never ceases to awe people when they when they come upon it, and uh, it's accessible and uh, it's beautiful. So it's worth checking out. Yeah, maybe one or two more before I let you go. Anything else you want to get? This is a great because I think one of the things you know we talk about is you know uh, these staycations, right? Like don't you know a lot of people now aren't crossing the border. They're saying for for multiple reasons, and we we've, we've gotten into it in the past. We don't need to get into it here, but a lot of people are staying home now. Maybe talk about some things they can do right here in the province of Manitoba uh, that are just really super cool. Well, absolutely an amazing experience is the Seal River watershed, um, which, of course, its its feature place is the Seal River itself. It's the only mighty northern river in Manitoba that hasn't been dammed or altered in any way. It's Mm. free-flowing, 
just as it's been for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, there's a beautiful lodge located uh, close to the mouth of the Seal River. And what's really unique about this experience is that instead of going in a tundra buggy, you can actually go out with guides and walk on the ground and see um, polar bears sharing the same ground with you. You're not confined to a buggy. Uh, and they do it in a very safe way because not only do they understand polar bear behavior, but most importantly, they understand human behavior when they see polar bears. <laughs> and uh, another thing that uh, they also do, which is amazing, instead of um, looking at belugas off the side of a dinghy or a zodiac, you actually swim with them. They throw you in a dry suit and you float in the water and the belugas with their big smiles come up to you and say hello. Wow. Pretty cool stuff right in the province of Manitoba. You got it. Yeah. Ron, thanks a lot for telling us about this UNESCO World Heritage Site. Really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Take care. Ron Teason is the Executive Director of Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society here in the province of Manitoba. Pretty cool stuff, this uh, new UNESCO World Heritage Site along the Manitoba-Ontario border. Like I said, 29,000 square kilometres, more than half the size of Nova Scotia, four First Nations there, and they continue to practice traditional land use. Pretty cool that uh, finally, after many, listen, millions and millions of dollars in many, many years, finally the UN has recognized that Boreal Forest along the Manitoba-Ontario boundary as a World Heritage Site.